Hello, faithful listener. I wanted to give you a heads up that Blick Art Supply does have even more oil paint on sale this week. They have their Utrecht Artist Oil Paints up to 65% off. So if you're a fan of the Utrecht Artist Oils, now is a great time to stock up. As always, I want to remind you to please navigate to Blick using our affiliate link, which is, of course, MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. And as always, I'm going to remind you to bookmark that link. That makes it super easy. You just use your bookmark and then you're supporting the Messy Studio podcast because when you use our affiliate link, it goes straight through to the regular Blick website. Everything works and functions the same. But when you do that, Blick will donate 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio podcast. It's easy, it's effortless, and it is a great way to support the podcast. So once again, that affiliate link is MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about finding meaning in abstraction. Abstract art, especially the kind that has no identifiable imagery, may appear to have little meaning to the viewer beyond its purely visual appeal. Certainly, we can admire and respond to abstraction without needing a story or an explanation, as long as our eyes are intrigued or delighted. And that is an important way it can be appreciated. But in fact, ideas, emotions, and other points of reference lie behind even the most purely abstract work. Today, we will consider the ideas that compel abstract artists and guide them in their work. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Okay, meaning and abstraction. Um, it's a interesting topic to me um, and something that uh, sometimes kind of catches people up. I remember saying in a workshop once something about meaning and abstraction, and one of the students kind of laughed, and I thought, okay, let's explain this a little bit. Yes, there are ideas here. And as you said in the intro, you know, that one level of appreciating uh, paintings or other artwork that don't have something that you can latch onto as far as an image goes, one way of appreciating them is purely visual, and that's absolutely valid. But um, it, there really is a lot more going on. So I thought that would be an interesting topic for today. And I wanted to start out with this quote that's attributed to Pablo Picasso. And so I'm just going to read this. Um, Everyone wants to understand art. Why not try to understand the song of a bird? Why does one love the night, flowers, everything around one without trying to understand them? But in the case of a painting, people have to understand. If only they would realize, above all, that an artist works of necessity, that he himself is only a trifling bit of the world, and that no more importance should be attached to him than to plenty of other things which please us in the world, though we cannot explain them. People who try to explain pictures are usually barking up the wrong tree. Um, and I... I often see something pulled from this quote um, along the idea of, well, art just is. You know, why do we need to understand it? Why do we need to know meaning behind it? And and I would say that, again, that is certainly a way to appreciate art because it is primarily visual. And, you know, it can be just some 
it's similar, can be similar to like something in nature that, you know, is just pleasing and interesting to look at. Um, maybe it's something that just kind of elicits a mood or a memory. Um, but, you know, there, re- there really is something more. And I would say I agree with Picasso that uh, painting can never be fully explained, and it can definitely be overanalyzed because, you know, because like I said, it is primarily visual, and there is also such a intuitive aspect to any art form. Um, but I think Picasso is always also here being a bit disingenuous because I would say he himself had plenty of ideas. Um, and I would also say that this statement, this idea that there's no need for an explanation is not helpful to an artist who's trying to find a way through their work, is trying to find consistency, depth, meaning in their own work. Um, because I I believe it's really difficult, if not impossible, to create good abstraction without having something to guide you, some kind of meaning, some ideas, some emotions that are behind it. And even if we're talking about pure abstraction, where there's really no reference to the visual world, and and it may just consist of the visual elements and the relationship, say, between shapes and lines and colors, um, even that type of pure abstraction involves thought, involves analysis, um, it starts somewhere. And I would say all abstract artists pull ideas from somewhere. Um, so where does that you know, land you as an artist interested in abstraction? Um, this is a big challenge. And you know, what are you going to paint about? Where do you pull your ideas from? And how can you find a personal voice, something that identifies your work. Um, we've often also heard the quote, along with Picasso's words, that an abstract artist is basically making something out of nothing. And, you know, I think that does identify a feeling that we can have when we're creating abstraction, because we may not have a visual reference point. And it is it is this feeling of kind of pulling something out of the ether. Uh, but I would say it's not nothing. I mean, it's you're not creating something out of nothing. Because if it really were that, you wouldn't have something that was unique about your work. I mean, you wouldn't have something that was guiding you. You wouldn't have something that was leading you into a certain way of expression if you didn't have something that you were pulling from. Well, and we certainly have talked a lot about, uh, you know, personal voice and um, things like that. And I I think that there's probably a tie in to artist statements as well, which we covered, I think, fairly early. Um, I think we were maybe in double digits on episodes when we talked about (laughs) artist statements. Yeah. And, and you know, it can be really a challenge to try to explain these sometimes amorphous ideas. And um, artist statements are definitely a situation where you know, you're challenged to try to uh, let people in somehow, let people know what you're interested in, you know, where do you get your ideas? Um, and your your ideas and intentions, if you will, they, when you don't have those, when you don't have something, 
as hard as it may be to pinpoint, when you don't have something, you don't really have a recognizable look, a recognizable feeling to your work that people would say, oh, that's by so-and-so. Because if there's nothing you're basing it on, it's it's going to be pretty scattered. So um, on the other hand, I mean, we're talking about abstraction. So um, I don't think exact meaning is really your goal. Uh, you know, and that that's another thing that happens sometimes with artist statements. People try to pin it down so closely that you can read the statement, look at the painting and say, hmm, really? You know, I mean, we have to recognize that abstraction is always going to be open to interpretation by the viewer. And I guess, you know, a lot of times people say, does it bother you that people see different things in your work? They say to me, um, it doesn't really, I, I don't like it when people say, of course, there's a tree there. Don't you see it? You know, as if I am blind to something that is perfectly obvious um, and intentional. You know, that insistence is not something I appreciate. It does happen once in a while. But I think the general thing that I tend to think of as sort of setting a stage, setting a mood, setting a um, a visual visual reference points that people can enter in. And whatever ideas you have about your work and what you want to say, those are guides. You know, that's that's not something you have to insist upon in your viewer, but they're your guides. You know, they're your way to make your way through the painting, which really is kind of a journey of exploration, at least in the way of painting that is, you know, open-ended, intuitive kind of painting. You are finding your way through. It seems to me like interpreting abstract art is almost kind of like interpreting dreams, you know, where it's, it's going to be, it's going to be deeply personal um, mm -hmm. to, to the artist and uh, not necessarily something that's going to uh, resonate with somebody else. And, and any uh, effort to interpret from outside is, is probably kind of pseudoscience. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. There's different ways to think about that. I mean, I've always found it interesting to read a little bit. Like if I like an abstract artist, it's interesting to me to read about their background, where their idea is coming from. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to know that before I look at the painting. Uh, it's sort of, you know, auxiliary information. Um, and and I think that's why people enjoy, you know, reading artist biographies and things like that. Um, but uh, they, anytime I think an artist expects or demands a particular response, actually in any kind of art, but we're talking about abstraction here, you know, that seems kind of pointless. I mean, I think the abstract artist is is creating a situation that invites contemplation and the form that that comp contemplation takes, where it goes in the viewer's mind, that is completely out of the artist's realm, the artist's control. And, but it takes a lot of skill to create the situation that people can enter into and not create chaos, not create you know, something that's simply confusing or boring or whatever, to give your viewer enough clues um, to have a response. And the reason that, you know, if you're 
doing successful abstraction, the reason you can do that is because you have ideas. <laughs> so it's a bit convoluted, but it's kind of like saying, I need my ideas in order to create a cohesive painting that you, the viewer, can enter into, and then I leave you alone. <laughs> but I need those ideas to to get there, because otherwise it's pretty scattered and it is pretty amorphous. And you can feel like you're just sort of pushing paint around and not getting anywhere. Well, right. And that's and that's where composition is going to come into play and, and our, our various uh, design elements and principles um, in, in terms of creating something cohesive. You need all that stuff, but I think you also need concept and you also need ideas that you're, that you're manipulating the elements and the design principles in your own way. Because again, a lot of people could follow you know, certain design principles and create paintings that all kind of look the same. But someone who's coming at it with a particular emotion, memory, idea, something is going to manipulate them in a more personal way that becomes identified with that artist. And it, you know, it, it's like a lot of words to say, um, well, this is personal voice. You know, and I think you need both the form and the content. You know, though, though that phrase comes up a lot, form and content, form, the visual elements, the principles of design to make your painting work, but also the content. And I think that finding that content is is elusive. It's difficult when you're first getting into abstraction because you do need to focus on your skills. You know, you do you do need to understand your medium how to work with composition, how to work with the elements. You know, those are those are things that are really very important um, to get anywhere with it. Uh, do you do you feel that it's it's advantageous to to keep that meaning more vague than than specific in order to to create a, a better a better chance of really connecting with people? Or do you find that that when you get specific that that helps you uh, connect better with your audience? I I think the latter. I mean, it kind of gets back to that phrase that we've brought up here more than once, because the, the phrase that the more personal it is, the more universal, because that's the point at which the artist, myself, or another artist becomes personally engaged with their work. When you're working from something meaningful to you, which is probably something specific, um, that's when you get excited about your work. <laughs> and that's when you can really pour yourself into it. And in so doing, you create work that's quite um, uh, compelling and has something behind it. And again, the specific thing that your ideas come from, and I'm going to talk in a minute about where, where some of those things might be coming from, um, you know, that's that's may or may not be obvious to the viewer. And some abstraction, of course, does have imagery in it. So that's another part of this conversation. I mean, sometimes there is an identifiable something in the painting, like a figure or a landscape, but it's been abstracted. So it's being shown in a different interpretation. Um, so, you know, there's different kinds of abstraction, which gets, you know, a little bit confusing. But no matter where you end up, I think coming from your own life, your own experience is what I find works. And when I teach 
oftentimes um, when I talk about this, people kind of perk up a little bit because say, oh, really? Like my own life, my own experiences, my own emotions, whatever, they're important? Yes, they're important. <laughs> and and I think to be too general about it, you can lose lose your way in terms of having a unique expression, if that makes sense. Let's take a minute to talk about what's new from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and Jerry are busy planning the summer quarter of their membership program, which begins on July 13th. These exciting sessions will explore personal voice and composition and continue the topic of professional development with some special guests. Member critiques and painting clinics, Cold Wax Academy's new feature, are ongoing. You can join the membership program anytime and catch up with the past recorded sessions at your own pace. Please visit coldwaxacademy.com for more information. That's coldwaxacademy.com. Also, stay tuned for information coming soon about Rebecca and Jerry's newest project, Espacio, dedicated to providing beautiful living and working spaces for artists and writers. Espacio's first offering is Casa Clavel, a modern, fully equipped house opening this September in the beautiful cultural city of San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. You can learn more and make a reservation by emailing info at coldwaxacademy.com. A dedicated Espacio website is coming soon. Once again, to learn more and make a reservation, just email info at coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like what most of the time with with a, a painting, an audience is, is going to look at it and say, okay, I, I you know, this, this feels happy or sad or playful or tragic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you, you know, if they, if they read an artist statement or they, they read the, the artist biography or talk with the artist, the artist is going to say, you know, I, I did this painting during this or that yeah. moment in my life. You know, I was, I was pregnant with my second baby when I created this work of art or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. then maybe the audience member can kind of pull a little bit more specific mm -hmm. uh, reference points from that art. Yeah. Um, but it's it's uh the challenge is certainly going to be you know creating something that is that is referential that people can immediately connect with and and, and understand yeah it's really difficult to to set that stage um and people that assume abstraction is easy if they actually try to do it will probably find out it isn't easy um and there's a lot of just exploration. There's a lot of just trying things, um, just putting in the hours, the practice, and, and trying to find that pathway for yourself. And then, you know, as you're doing that, like something clicks, something that you've done, whether it's something small or something bigger, it just feels right. And, and you feel intuitively that this thing that you have done is you and it's it's saying something and that intuition is a really valid path um you you can feel pretty compelled towards doing something and not really know why but you follow it you develop the skills to express it and sometimes when you do that your work kind of reveals what it's about um as you practice and observe what you're doing and looking at it sometimes it sort of opens up and you say, ah, I think, I think these ideas are coming from here or there. 
So it's not always that you start with this particular idea. A lot of it comes from doing it. <laughs> and in on the way, you're developing, you know, characteristic ways of using color, of using line or shape or something like that. It's almost it can almost be a problem if you have this clear idea from the beginning. Um first of all, you will need the skills to express a clear idea and that that's not always happening right away. Um, but sometimes when you have a really definite idea, you can become too literal, sort of illustrational in your work, like you really want to make this point, <laughs> and you're going to bear down on how to say whatever it is. Um, and again, that can really sort of backfire, and it it doesn't, it can feel less, it can feel contrived and less personal, actually, than just uh, following intuition, trying to be open-ended about things. Um, it, you know, looking at your painting as this kind of journey rather than, you know, I want to dictate this particular message. So it's, it's you know, we often talk about these balancing acts and it's this, it's this balance between having ideas, having intentions, impulses, intuitions, and, and not and you know, but having enough structure to them that you can follow through on them. They're not just scattered all over the place. And there's also there's a shift in abstraction in seeing abstraction. There's a shift in thinking about it. Um, it's it's like abstract work requires abstract thinking. It requires a different way of perceiving. It requires kind of a flexible attitude. Um, you're moving away from real-world logic into into visual logic. And so that is a step that can be pretty hard to take. And often, again, working with people trying to make that step, it's, uh, it's really challenging to let go of the need to uh, sort of dictate an idea. But all of that said, it, you know, and as I said earlier, it is, I think it's important to have kind of a base of what you're working from sort of a source of your ideas um and i i just wanted to mention a few sources that people draw from in abstraction and there are many many limitless of numbers of these um and a lot of artists would work with more than one or there'd be some overlap but you know starting out with observing something in the visual world the landscape object, figure, whatever it is, and then transforming that into an abstract uh, image. So in that case, whatever you're looking at is, we use the phrase point of departure. <laughs> it's simply the jumping off point. And then then comes in, what, what do you feel? What do you want to say about it? If you're jumping off from the idea of a landscape, what emotion do you want to portray? What sort of visual logic do you want to portray in your landscape? So that's just the starting point. Um, abstraction is often done, even when pulling from the visual world, it's often done as memory rather than just looking at something because um, memory combines emotion and what you saw. And so memory is often a really strong aspect of abstraction, an impression you got from something, somewhere you were, something you saw. Um, 
a lot of abstract artists use poetry or music as a jumping off point. So perhaps, I think we did a podcast early on about music. Some people listen to a particular piece of music and respond to it. Um, some people have a certain type of music that is behind their work. Same with poetry. Um, a lot of abstract work has actually autobiography or sort of a personal narrative to it, even though it may not be obvious. I feel like my own work is kind of like that. I'm I'm tracking my hikes through the through the landscape or something like that, and it and that's where I connect on that personal level. Um, abstract artists use symbolism, and that can either be, you know, a visual symbol that we say, oh, there's a bird that probably symbolizes something or other, or it could just be use of a particular color or other visual element that has some kind of symbolism connected with it. Um, obviously, social, political uh, themes come up in abstraction as well as in representational art. Scientific ideas like um Patterns in nature, exploration of color, those can be behind, especially pure abstraction. Uh, spiritual ideas can be pretty compelling to a lot of abstract artists. In fact, that's where pure abstraction began in spiritual ideas around the 1900s that were being explored. And then, you know, there is that whole category of pure abstraction, which really is just about. Um, the visual elements. It's about the relationship between shapes and values and colors and lines and textures. Um, and that type of art is probably the furthest from having an explanation or meaning that can be put into words. It's, it's really pure visual language. But even then, the artist is following some kind of idea and they're using analysis to decide if it's working. So there's still thought going on there and sometimes pretty pretty scientific thought as I mentioned. So anyway, that's just a, a short list and you know really the the sources of ideas and abstraction are really variable, very rich. Um, and you know when I read a list like that though it it doesn't say at all how these how these sources or meanings might play out, you know, how are they interpreted? That's each and in, each individual artist but just to say there often are these types of ideas that are that are there and you know sometimes there's a lot more going on for the artist at least than what you might see just just looking at it so it's complex i i think as an abstract artist you can work for a lot of years figuring this stuff out you know finding the visual language that works for you, finding these sources that are interesting to you. Um, and it, this, this topic kind of relates, a couple of weeks ago we talked about visual ideas, visual ideas that happen intuitively, they happen consciously, and visual ideas are also, you know, really important to this, this whole discussion. I mean, that's, visual is what we see, ideas are what's, where the things are coming from. I kind of wanted to to wrap up with just an example in my own work of how this kind of thing has played out. Like where did my ideas come from for a particular series and where did it lead me? So um, 
I'm going to talk about the Chroma series, which if you look at it on my website, it's there. They're very colorful paintings. And this began with a simple kind of, mm, I guess, uh, a kind of a theoretical idea or, you know, more intellectual idea. How do you create luminous color? Because I was all of a sudden found that interesting. <laughs> um, I, I work with a lot of earthy color and thinking, oh, okay, how do I make colors kind of glow and build up into something rich? And so this was a challenge of skill. And it was also painting in a way that was probably more at that end of pure abstraction than up until then, at least, was typical of a lot of my work. I had been more referential of the landscape, but in this case, it really was just color. Um, and so I'm building up these layers of luminous color. And as I did that, I did start to relate it to the landscape around me here in New Mexico because it is a luminous landscape. But it wasn't about the look of particular landforms or anything like that. It was, it was, uh, it was about light and color and and mood and impression um, that I wanted to to pull out in different paintings. So different paintings have different colors that were going on, and so I kept working with this and. Um, so then the, the idea became a little more specific. And and then it was, this was all taking place during the first part of COVID. And I just felt this emotional need for something bright, something uplifting. And so this idea of luminosity that I started with, which was not a particularly personal idea, but it became personal as I worked with it. And it became about you know, emotional response to the pandemic and to my surroundings here. So um, the meaning can build out of just exploring something and and then tying it into something that means something to you and is interesting. So with the uh, with the Chroma series, you do you have an artist statement written up or is, or is there, is this kind of your explanation right now? Or, uh, it, I, I guess what I'm asking is how should artists go about talking about or, um, helping their audience to understand their work a little bit more clearly. And, uh, if you're, if you are interested in somebody's work, where should you go looking for that? Right. So, um, it does help to have some distance on the work. And I think, a lot of artists will find themselves in the midst of something, not really sure where it's going, what it's about. It It's being intuitively driven. And then at some point, it's as I mentioned earlier, it starts to kind of reveal itself. And, oh, okay, it's it means this or that to me. And it's not something you're just imposing on top of it, um, which would be not very authentic. But it's something that you start to, to take from your work. It's very interesting how your own work can can speak to you about things and you start to realize things. So uh, with a little distance, um, yeah, you can start to understand your own work. And I think that is a good time to write something about it. I, on different pages of my website where there's a series, I do have a short statement that was written in retrospect, you know, what, what this is about. And that's part of that's that's kind of its own little special artist statement. It's not very long, a few sentences. And if I were to um, exhibit this work, uh, just the series itself in a in a show, I would probably write something 
like that to accompany the exhibit so that it gives people coming in a place to start to understand how does this work relate to what I've done before? How does this work um, express, you know, something that I'm interested in? So I think it's a good idea to write a bit about things. And sometimes it means sitting in front of your work and just, you know, free associating what what's coming up here. Because um, there is an aspect about this type of intuitive work that's pretty subconscious. It may not come to you right away in words. And Yet it will if you if you focus on it, you'll start to get it. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Well, I would say it's been a kind of a quick run through a kind of complicated topic, but um, I do believe that meaning in your work, finding it, expressing it, um, and however you create your work, but having this uh, meaning is really key. It's really essential to having personal passion for your work and involvement in the studio. If you don't, if you really basically feel like your work is meaningless, what's going to drive you to do it? You know, I mean, it's, there's something there that, that is compelling. And, and for abstract artists, I think there's some special challenges. There's, we talked about this huge component of interpretation and any kind of abstraction. And so you you have to be kind of open to realizing that not everybody's going to see it the way you do. And you have to have a sort of willingness to allow guidance from your ideas, but to step back from really dictating how people are going to interpret this, even if that's possible. <laughs> but people frustrate themselves this way. They they're so uh, can be so focused on expressing a particular thing. Uh, because I think what you have to realize is the viewer is also entering the abstract world and without labels, without, you know, this is a tree, um, they're entering it without this kind of distinct definition that you would get in realism. So it's really a different kind of conversation with the viewer. Um, and what's happening there has to do a lot with intuition and imagination for both the artist and the person who's looking at it and appreciating it. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at ColdWaxAcademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out rosstickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.